The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lee Mod Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lee Mod Williams. Voice America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle. I'm your host, Lee Mod Williams, for the night. Joining me again this week, like last week, I'm going to stop calling him my intern because he's a a guy that's up and coming into the sports media industry. So I'm going to welcome George back to the show, better known as G-Man. George, you there? I'm here, man, ready to talk some sports. Glad to have you back, George. Uh, how's your week going so far? It's going great, man. A lot of, a lot of uh, sports stuff to talk about. we got about an hour to talk about it, so I'm ready to get into it. Okay, and if everybody else that's out there listening right now to the show, if you want to join in with George and I, you can call the number at one eight 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 three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at leemontwilliamsports at yahoo dot com, or simply just follow me on Twitter at leemontwilliams. That's L E M O N T Williams. And George, what's your what's your Twitter handle? Got to get you out there too. What you got? What's your Twitter handle? Mine is at sports pulse underscore. I mean sports underscore pulse. So okay. Okay. Get, I just want to make sure the listeners out there. And be able to follow you as well because I know you put some good things out there, including with myself. I know I put a lot of fun things out there, a lot of informative, informative things as well, far as sports related. And all right, George, let's go ahead and start the show. We can't we can't start without talking about the NBA. NBA playoffs are, are rolling here. We're, we're midway through May, May fifteenth, so the NBA finals should be starting shortly in early June. But Tonight, the Miami Heat returns home to play the Chicago Bulls in Game 5. I was watching, for the most part, George, before we came on there, the first half, and it seems like the Bulls are trying to make a comeback. But uh, it seems like, to me, this is pretty much Miami serious. With the Bulls leading right now with two minutes and 33 seconds to go in the second quarter, 44-43, to 43, Miami pretty much is going to wrap this, this series up tonight at home. I definitely agree with that, man. They, the the Bulls, it's it's hard, man. It's hard to be out there without your point guard, your your main guy, and uh, you know he's been cleared for a couple of months, which is kind of weird to me. You know, you think he he'd try to get out there and help his teammates out, but I don't know his situation, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize him too much for that. <laughs> well, outside of the of the uh, capri pants and, and and suit jacket, I'm talking about Dwayne Wade. Uh, what's what's going on with D Wade in your opinion? Why is he so much in the slump right now tonight? He only has six points. It's definitely it's definitely that that injury that's that's nagging him a little bit. 
it's crazy because in the in the series, if I told you that somebody was averaging 12.3 points, five assists, and four rebounds, and, and at least uh, 1.9 steals per game, you'd say that's pretty decent, right? Yeah. Well, that's what he's averaging, but if you look at his regular season totals, he's averaging 21 points per game, five assists, five rebounds, and that same uh, 1.9 in steals. So if you look at that, and you look at D Wade's game, it kind of it kind of makes you think there's something going on with him. And I definitely think that he should have set this one out tonight, just for the simple fact that he's not he's not full speed. But I mean, if that's what, if he wants to be out there, I guess you know that's his prerogative. Yeah, and it seems like to me with Dwayne Wade, his his body is starting to take a beating. I mean, throughout his career, he's been aggressive and the guy that likes to go to the hole and take fouls. And he's he's guaranteed to hit the floor at least twice throughout the game. So. His body's starting to take a wear and tear on him, and it's clearly that he passed the, the baton to LeBron James. A lot of people get on LeBron James about going to Miami and teaming up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but I really believe Dwayne Wade, I mean, uh, LeBron James were going to Miami, but I really believe Dwayne Wade really needed him. I mean, he realized that his body wouldn't hold up at this stage in his career, and yeah, he's still fairly young. However, you know, having LeBron James and Chris Bosh, you know, allow Dwayne Wade to kind of take nights off like he's like he has done throughout this series. I actually think that that's what's helped him to not be at too bad of a point in his career with it, as far as injuries. You know, James and as long as LeBron James is out on the court, D Wade can kind of feel safe. You know, knowing that. You know, my guy. You know, King James is gonna gonna handle it for us. Yeah, and it just seems like the Bulls is just running out of gas. I mean, they had Nate Robertson, or they have Nate Robertson running the point guard tonight. He has 11 points. You know, Carlos Boozer. I mean, he's a guy that's pretty much the you know the blue collar guy for the Bulls. He's the guy that does a lot of the grunt work. Tonight he has 18 points. I mean, it's 48 to 43 with a minute and 21 seconds to go. The Bulls are up. I mean, talk about Carlos Boozer and how the Bulls be able to try to, if they're going to steal one, they need to steal this game tonight. If they're going to steal one, they got to have a good game by Carlos Boozer. And also, um, you already said Nate Robinson has 11 points. Or so, I mean, they have to have a good game from him as well. If you look in the past in the series, uh, when Nate Robinson is a, is a scoring threat on their team, that that's when they won that first game. So, I mean, they have to have a big game from Carlos Boozer, and they have to have a big game from Nate Robinson. That's the only way they're going to squeak one out over there in uh, South Beach. Yeah, it was hurting the, the the Miami Heat tonight is their fouls. I mean, they have ten fouls, team fouls right now, to the Bulls five. And it seems like Chicago's found a way to open up that three-point shot right now against a struggling uh, uh, Miami Heat at this moment in the second quarter. Because the first quarter, it was pretty strong. But the second quarter, they started struggling as well as from the three-point line. They had two for nine, whereas the Chicago Bulls are four for six. You know, it just it just seems like to me the Miami Heat is a better focused team this season, George, compared to last season, rightfully so, for them winning the, the NBA championship. I know it's always tough for a team to repeat as champions, but do you do you really feel that this Miami has a chance to kind of return to the NBA Finals and win it all? I think they have a chance, definitely. Um, you know, with the pieces that they have, I don't see why you wouldn't give them a chance. Then they add Ray Allen, you know, during the uh, during the off season, so that's an even bigger addition to their team. He's a good outside threat. So, you know, 
I don't see that why they wouldn't be back in the finals. Now, once they get to the finals, you know, they may have the Grizzly to worry about because that's what I think is going to take it in the West, and that's a pretty physical team. So, But as far as, as far as just looking at the Heat, I definitely think they'll be back in the finals, and uh, they won't have any problem with the East. Okay, moving forward and talking about the, the next game tonight will be the San Antonio – excuse me, will be the Oklahoma City Thunder game tonight. You know, Oklahoma City is a team that is really, you know, struggled without their point guard in, in, in Westbrook. I mean, they're at home against a grinding-out team in, in the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you really feel that, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder, they have a chance to kind of pull this game out and, and make the series now 3-2, to two, or you think Memphis is going to run away with it tonight, go ahead and wrap up this series? I honestly think OKC will win tonight, but I don't think that they'll run away with this series. If you look at it, you know, it's it's been a pretty tough place to play at in Oklahoma City throughout the playoffs and even throughout the regular season. So if they can get some game from uh, some some points and some contribution from anyone except for Kevin Durant, then maybe they could uh, they could pull this one out tonight. Yeah, Durant is a you know he's pretty much their their go to guy. He is the guy. He had twenty seven points with seven rebounds in the last game when they lost on the road. But what hurts them is, you know, Oklahoma City is a team that gets off to a fast start in the first quarter. They did that last quarter, <clears throat> excuse me, last game against Memphis at home. But, you know, it's always the second quarter and the third quarter that kills them. I remember when the Rockets played them, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, it just seemed like the Rockets was always better, uh, you know, against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the second half, especially the third quarter. So it just seems like they get off to a fast start, but they lower themselves to sleep in the second and third quarter, which hurts them because now they got to play catch-up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that when uh, Russell Westbrook was out there, he was the aggressor. He was the guy that was really grinding it out for him in those you know middle quarters as far as the second quarter and the third quarter. And it's funny that you bring up that, uh, that point because – if you look at this past game, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, hits a game-tying shot um, to end the fourth quarter. They go into overtime. And in overtime, the Thunder as a whole was one for nine for shooting, and Kevin Durant was 0 for five from the floor. So it's one of those things they kind of they kind of start to diminish as the game goes on, just like you're saying, and it kind of hurts them at the end of the day, you know, especially, like I said, with Russell Westbrook not being out there it really hurts him because he was that guy that was getting in those points and being the aggressor during the uh, second and third period. Yeah, he was a guy that was – he was more of a miscellaneous guy. He was a, a factor where he can drive to the hole and use his quickness, and he was a guy that can hit from the outside as well. So it was hard to game plan for those two, Westbrook and Durant, in the backcourt. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a fun game tonight. You know that play is going to be packed and loud supporting their Thunder team in Oklahoma City. So – Hopefully Durant brings another A game tonight and pull out the victory so we can keep this series going so we can talk about it more and more going into next week. But uh uh give me your give me your you know, your prediction tonight with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Who who will win this game? I think the Thunder pull it out at home, then they go back to uh Memphis and that's where their season ends. Okay, I'm gonna go totally opposite. I'm gonna go with the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they're gonna pull it out. They're gonna find a way in Zebo. And this guy is going to find a way to pull it out. But Saul, and I really believe that Memphis Grizzlies are going to end this series tonight on the road in Oklahoma City. That's a bold statement, my friend, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. But I still, I still have confidence in OKC uh, with that sea of blue there. You know, that crowd <laughs> gets kind of loud. 
it's, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Okay, well, well, we'll see how it plays out. And, and I didn't get your prediction for Miami and, and the Bulls. Who do you think will win that tonight, even though the Bulls are, are leading right now? Miami is going to take this, man. Uh, the Bulls aren't fooling anybody right now being ahead. That's just that's just so that they can have some uh, some talking points for people like us who are still on the radio. <laughs> yeah, I think Miami is too much at home for Miami. Uh, a team, a tough team, despite Dwayne Wade not really playing as as, as tough like he he normally likes to play. LeBron James, Chris Bosh at home, they're a tough team to beat. They're going to go ahead and seal this one up and try to get some rest waiting for their next opponent. Definitely, definitely. All right, George, I'm thinking it's about that time for us to take a break. I haven't checked with D yet, but uh, let's go ahead and pay some bills, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk more NBA basketball and recap some games from last night, and we might sneak in a little bit of NFL as well. Next one, Outside the Huddle, with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. George, you still there with me? Yes, sir. I'm here. 
All right, George, welcome back to the show, and let's go and continue to talk a little bit NBA basketball. We recap. Well, we talked about the NBA playoffs, mainly uh, the Miami Heat, Chicago Bulls. Then we talked about the preview, the OKC, and the Memphis game tonight. So we're going in-state, talk about our San Antonio Spurs versus the Golden State Warriors series. And with San Antonio now up 3-2, to two, and they're coming home. Let me see here. I think game six is on. No, game six actually on the road, excuse me, tomorrow night against Golden State. So Golden State right now. You know, a team that's suffering through injuries. You know, Stephen Curry, he had his injuries with his ankles, and and and, and there, you know, you know, we talked about it off air during the commercial break. How Mark Jackson is, is put out there saying he has one of the best two tandems in the backcourt. To me, he pissed off Tony Parker because Parker now <laughs> has stepped his game up, especially in Game Five, was able to do his thing, and their team, his team, the Spurs, was able to win on the road, one hundred nine to ninety one. So, George. You know, first let's start with Golden State. I mean, with Stephen Curry, you know, playing and, and playing through injuries and those guys making the push, do you really feel like it was mainly their coach that put them in that in a bad position by pissing off Tony Parker, or do you really feel like the you know, San Antonio Spurs have a control or over the Golden State Warriors? Honestly, I'm a big believer in bulletin board material, and I think that's exactly what this was. And Mark Jackson kind of made a mistake by – by putting those words out there, you know, when you have a veteran team like the Spurs that, uh, that are going to go out there and, and they're going to ball each night, when, when they see something like that come out, they're going to say, well, if this is the best in history, then we're going to show them the best defense in history. And I think that's exactly what they've done. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a team that, you know, they've been there, done that before. I'm talking about San Antonio Spurs. They don't get rattled as much. They got a lot of veterans on that team. And, and, you know, Tony Parker reads a lot of that stuff. He hears it throughout, you know. They have days between games, so guys get a chance to read some material out there and, and, and see things on TV. So, you know, he really felt like he had to step his game up, and that's exactly what he did at home, scoring 25 points. So my next question, how can Golden State slow down the red-hot Tony Parker? I think that's going to be the key to the game. If you look at the stats um, as far as the, the three the three victories that San Antonio has had, if Tony Parker matches 28 points in those in those uh, that's his average in those in those three uh, victories, then the the San Antonio Spurs win that game. So what they have to do is they have to they have to lock him down, make him pass it to the inside. I know that's going to be hard to do, you know, um, because they still have so many so many other good shooters. Ginobili is another good shooter that they could pass it out to, and you know uh, you got Tim Duncan down there, the the old the old veteran down there. Uh, getting the board, so I mean, it, it's really hard. It's hard for the uh, Spurs to be shut down, but uh, if they want to do, if they do want to do that, they have to get to Tony Parker. Oh well, yeah, and another thing they will really have to do is stop penetration in the lanes. Anytime Tony Parker can get inside of the paint, inside the lanes, he's very effective as a point guard. He can hit Mano Ginobili on the outside, or he can dump it all to, like you said, the old veteran Tim Duncan, Mister Fundamentals, fundamentals. So it's like. For me, it's stopping Tony. You got to stop him from getting to the lanes. You got to slow him down. He can't penetrate the paint and force him to shoot jumpers. I mean, if he's gonna, if San Antonio is gonna beat beat you guys and win, it's gonna be because they was red hot from the outside and not allow him to penetrate your defense and break your defense down to be able to score points or high percentage shots in the field goal. 
Definitely, definitely. And then on the other side of the ball with the with the Golden State, if you if you look at the stats as well, since that forty four point outing that he that uh, Stephen Curry had, he's only thirty four point eight percent from the field. So he has to start shooting a little bit better, um, so that so that his team can benefit from that too. So that's another thing you got to look at. You know, if you're going to play great defense on one side of the ball, you got to make sure that you're putting the the ball in the basket on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just you know, speaking of the other side, let's go ahead and go to the other side and talk about San Antonio. While why was the San Antonio Spurs so effective in your opinion against gold against Golden State at home? I honestly think it has to do with with these youngins getting in here, and they're not used to this grind of this playoffs. You know, this is the first time that a lot of these guys in the starting lineup have been to the playoffs, and the 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 San Antonio Spurs are kind of like been there, done that. So it's one of those things you gotta you gotta think about it. You know, do you trust the old guys who have been here, who know what the grind is, or the young guys who kind of get fatigued a little bit, and you know, injuries start wearing on them. That's that's where that's where their uh, their problem lies. You know, the key to San Antonio's success is the first quarter. I mean, they're a team that's a little bit older. We we mentioned and we beat on that drum quite often in the last five minutes. But for them to be that old or up in age, they have to get out to a fast start offensively. And and the last game proves that they got scored 37 points in the first quarter for a team that plays a lot of half-court set basketball. You know, they're not a fun and gun up and down team. They just wore you down their half court set, so they can establish themselves offensively early in the first half. That plays in their favor because that allows the lanes to open up for Tony Parker to be effective to get down to to get down the lanes to be able to dish the ball off to his big guys. But uh, their defense, their defense stepped up. Also, in my opinion, their defense stepped up. Was able to contest any shot that Stephen Curry made. Uh, from the three-point line, off the pick and roll, they was able to put a hand in his face. And, and be honest with you, that that affects a shooter after a while. You got guys running behind you, pulling at your jersey. On the road, that makes it a tough environment to shoot. I don't care which night it is. And, and Stephen Curry had a bad night of shooting uh, from the three-point line. I think he was like one for seven. Yeah, that's not a that's not a good look at all. You know, Stephen Curry, he's he's the guy that everybody's been you know, praising for his, his ability to shoot the ball, even when he's coming off of the picks, you know, in motion, he can still get up there and put the ball in the hoop. And he just hasn't done that in these past couple of games. And that's what's really hurting his team, you know. And I know I hate to put it all on one guy because it's never just one guy. It's a team sport. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the stats and numbers don't lie. Yeah. Well, don't what don't lie is New York. New York. New York is down right now, 3-1 to one against the Pacers. New York, big city of dreams. Their dreams are about to go down the toilet. They only only won one game against the Pacers, and they're going back home, losing the other night, ninety-three to eighty-two. What's going on with the Knicks, man? What they need to do, George, to kind of get this thing turned around and get back in this series? And to be honest with you, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. Last week, you guys can go look at the episode, and I thought that the Knicks were gonna take off and run away with this one, but the Pacers are really surprised me. You know, um, and really the key to it is J.R. Smith, man. That sixth man of the year, you know, he hasn't been performing like the sixth man of the year. He's probably I, – I would I would honestly consider him to be the sixth man of the regular season because that's exactly what he was. Ever since the playoffs have, have uh, started, 
he really hasn't been much of a factor for his team, and that's that's where their problem is at. They have to get better shooting from him, and they have to get uh, a little bit better defense from him, and, and not so much jawing on the court. He can't be out there talking mess. He's got to be out there to uh, to be productive for his team. Yeah, excellent point about J.R. Smith about being there sixth man of the regular season. But Camelo Anthony is Camelo Anthony. He's going to put up his shots. He's going to force shots. Um, but it just, to me, it just felt like the Pacers at home, by each and every series, gain confidence. And that's the last thing you want to do is give a young team confidence at home. Now they feel like they can beat you inside and out. I mean, it just, the game, it just, it was a, a game of will. And it just seems like the Pacers outwilled the the New York Knicks to that victory, and it's just like the, to me, Paul George is the real deal. I mean, having 18 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists. I mean, he's a young, up-and-coming talent, and for him to outshine against a, a pretty heavily talented team in the New York Knicks, you got Carmelo Anthony, you got J.R. Smith, Jason Kidd. I know he's on the back end of his career, but you got a lot of games. I mean, a lot of guys on there that at one time had big-time contracts and big-time names. So. For the Pacers have a lot of guys that you really haven't heard about outside of Paul George. Uh, you know, to me, that's, I mean, it's not shocking, but it just shows that the heart, if you work as a, as a team and you have team chemistry, you can beat anything. That outweighs talent. Definitely, and, and it, it goes to show, you know, when you have, when you have a team chemistry, like you said, and, and the guys are out there every single night and they're grinding for each other, not just for themselves, then that's when you really see the team come to life. That's when you see them play the type of defense that they've been able to play. And, you know, it just goes to show in the numbers. If you look at it, the Knicks uh, were actually the, had the most three-point shots attempted uh, in NBA history um, this past season. And uh, now in the, in the playoffs, they're only 28% from behind the, from behind the arc. Um, that last night, uh, so it's one of those things that you have to you have to kind of look at it and say, you know, this this team that nobody really expected to be here in the Pacers is really coming up and and they're showing these Knicks, you know, it's not all about star power, it's not all about you know who you have in your in your backcourt and your frontcourt, it's really about your team chemistry and can your guys go out there and put it on the court every single night? Yeah, and what is it going to take for the Pacers, in your opinion, to kind of close up this series on the road in the, in the garden. Continue to keep J.R. Smith quiet and continue to keep Carmelo Anthony uh, cornered out there. Let, let Jason Kidd get his because, you know, he hasn't, he's not really that much of a factor in my opinion. Um, you know, but, but that's my key to this, to this, uh, to the victory for the Pacers. They just got to keep J.R. Smith quiet like they have been and keep doing what you're doing, you know, grind it out and, and make sure that you're, that you're getting the boards and uh, everything else will come. Okay, who's in your opinion? Who's going to win? Who's going to win the game, uh, the next game between the the New York Knicks and the Indianapolis uh, Pacers? You know, last week I said that uh, the Knicks were going to take this series, and you know, from the sloppy play that I've seen, I honestly think the Pacers are going to take it now. So I have to go with the Pacers. They're playing a better brand of basketball. They're going out there and grinding every night. So definitely the Pacers. Okay, well there you go. George going with the Pacers. I think the Knicks at least got one more in them, so they might win this one, but losing Game Seven. So I'm gonna go with the with the Knicks in this uh, the next game. But uh, looking at my clock now, it's time for us to take another break. And when we come back, we'll move over from the NBA and go right into the NFL and talk about the Houston Texans rookie camp for last week. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lee Mont Williams. 
on the Voice America Sports Network. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Still joining me is George, better known as G-Man. And George, you still there? Yes, sir. Ready to talk some sports again. Some NFL this time. Yeah, let's go ahead and move into the NFL. I mean, I really love the NFL. You love it. So let's go ahead and move into it and talk about it. Before we recap the Houston Texans rookie camp uh, from last week, I saw this here during the break. I want to talk about it. The Baltimore Ravens uh, linebacker uh, Rolando, Rolando McClain retires. Uh, you know, he's a young man that's been in and out of trouble for the last 11 months. He got arrested in April, 10 days after he signed his contract, one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens to kind of replace uh, Ray Lewis at the middle linebacker. So Rolando uh, uh, McClain is retiring at the age of 23. When you saw that, or if, I don't know if you heard about that until now, what's your initial thoughts about uh, McClain retiring? Yeah, man, I read about that, you know, this earlier today, and it kind of saddens me, to be honest with you, you know, a young man that, you know, has the talent to play in the league, has the talent to start in the league, and, and you know, something like this happens to him. It's just that that just goes to show what happens when you get in with the wrong crowd or you continue to, to, to be with the, the wrong type of people. 
and you can't you kind of have to have a more mature mentality when you hit the NFL because there's gonna be a lot of temptation out there and I I wish the best for him you know I really hope that that one day maybe he can come back out of retirement similar to the way that Brett Favre kind of has done to us in the past but you know he's still young he he has to get a good head on his shoulders he has to realize you know what his dreams are and, and go and accomplish those yeah, I, I, here's the situation. I think for him to retire, I think it had to be suggested to him uh, so he can kind of move forward with his career. It's obvious he has some off-the-field off issues, and it's obvious he has some character issues that he needs to work on. So that's the most important part. At 23, he can get his life back together. I'm not saying his life is out of order uh, from from a normal standpoint, but he just needs to get himself in you know good guidance, underneath him and, and try to find out what he needs to do and kind of put football to the backside. Now, from a football standpoint for the Ravens, uh, you know, without Ray Lewis, they have McLean coming in thinking that he's going to replace him. You know, and, you know, it leads us to see, I mean, it gives me more confidence now when the Texans travel up there to play them next season or this season uh, uh, when Ray, Ray uh, and Ed Reed comes back home to play his visiting team. Now with the Houston Texans, you know, I just really believe that McClain could have helped out. I don't know how much, you know, being that Ray Lewis is a big guy and a big hole to fill, but uh, for him to retire at 23 over some off-the-field issues, I think it was a good move for him to kind of put that behind him, uh, his football career behind him and work on his personal life. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to do that. You just got to kind of put things into perspective and, and really look at your life and say, you know, what what are my goals? Where do I need to go to? And if he realized that, you know, football was what was bringing him down the wrong path or, you know, football was what was putting him in situations that he didn't want to be in and he was mature enough to make that decision to retire, I applaud him for that. But um, I, I, don't, I don't wish anything but the best for him, and uh, I just hope that, uh, that he can come out of this and, and, and really learn a life lesson from it. Yeah, going from one guy that's retiring to guys that's trying to catch on to a team, uh, you know, in their rookie camp. I'm talking about the Houston Texans uh, rookie that was signed. And, you know, the Texans signed a lot of guys. I mean, they signed 23 undrafted free agents. They have their draft picks that's coming in. Their number one draft pick this season is DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson. Uh, you know, and and since we start off with Rolando McClain, Let's go ahead and stay on the defense side of the ball and talk about the Texans defensive players, some things that I noticed uh, in the rookie camp last week, starting with their defensive player. Uh, you know, DJ uh, Swellinger, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, he's a real deal. I mean, from what I saw, he's very flexible. I mean, he's a flexible guy. I'm so, I thought he would be tight in the hips, but he showed some flexibility out there. You know, he was able to come out of his brakes a lot smoother. Uh, you know, he was able to, uh, you know, he dropped a few passes, but I thought his lateral movement was great. He was crisp coming in and out of breaks, and he just, his leadership ability, that what really stood out to me, George, at the practice. He was able to be a vocal leader. Uh, he caught an interception and ran the back for a touchdown. But I really like what I saw out of Swellinger. Yeah, definitely. DJ Swearinger is one of those guys that I'm really trying to look at to see uh, how how the Texans are going to put him or uh, acclimate him to this defense for the long term. You know, Ed Reed was a short-term solution. We knew that going into it. And, you know, we know that, that Ed Reed's not going to be around forever. So DJ Swearinger is one of those guys that he can kind of mold 
and uh, help to become that ball hawk like he is. And, and the great part about it is I've heard nothing but great things about this guy. And, you know, he comes into the league as, as being known as a big hitter, but he really shined in these non-contact workouts. So, you know, to me that speaks volumes to what his game can be and what it can escalate to once the pads are on. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the thing about Swearinger is that he has a nose for the ball. I mean, it seemed like when it was in 707 team drills, he was always around the ball when it came to the running plays. Uh, sometimes he took a gamble on the passing plays, but you know he's a rookie. He'll learn and get better in that. But I just like the fact that he's aggressive. He likes to be in the mix. Uh, he has a nose for for the ball, and you know everybody around him seems to be able to play at his level. Uh, he sets the tone. He's a trendsetter. So I mean, I like what I saw. I mean, granted there was in Helmerson in shorts or Helmerson, and yeah, they had on shorts. So. You really couldn't get a feel for him, but you, I mean, you, you saw enough to know that he's a good player. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about him. I can't wait to see those those helmets on and the, the pads going. Hear that, hear that sound of those pads hitting together. That's that's gonna be when you know the football season's starting. Yeah, and it's, I mean, some guys, also some other guys I, I recognize out there. One in particular was number 34, AJ Bowie, cornerback, uh, rookie cornerback of Central Florida. You know, six foot, 186 pounds. Man, this kid has it. I mean, he's a, a shutdown corner. Uh, he's able to be able to get on that outside and and do his thing. He's a very smart corner as, as well. I mean, he knows how to play and bait the receiver and the corner. I mean, the quarterback. So I, I really like some of the things I saw. Good closing speed, excellent on his breaks, and uh, he, he should be able to move on and, and and stick with the Texans and hopefully make the roster. Yeah, we definitely need some depth in the uh, secondary. You know, it's it's one of those things that we lost over Quinn to free agency, and you know, we we just need to make sure that we sure up that that secondary. You know, you never you never want to wish any any injuries on anybody, but if something was to happen to one of our guys, we have to know that somebody can uh, step up and to to hear those good things about him, and, and to really know that we have somebody that's back there that can learn from. You know, Kareem Jackson, as much as people try to doubt him, he's done a great job this past season, um, and I don't see anything but growth out of him. And then uh, also Jonathan Joseph, he learned from two of the best in the league, and, you know, he can become he can become right there with them. So uh, definitely excited about that. Want to see want to see a lot more from him. Yeah, going from, from the good to the bad of the rookie camp, as far as on the defense side of the ball, rookie outside linebacker Sam Montgomery. You know, he didn't look too high. I mean, good to me. He looked like a guy that was fatigued. You know, he had an injury. I think they said it was his back or his ham, hamstring or groin, but it just seemed like he was he was not impressive. I mean, his effort was kind of, you know, like he was going through the motions. And when team drills came along, he was in the back stretch, I mean, stretching his legs out and trying to get relaxed. So Sam Montgomery from, from Louisiana State, Better known as LSU, was not impressive at six three, two hundred and sixty two pounds. Yeah, I mean, you gotta when when you're coming into the NFL, you gotta lay off the hamburgers and the French fries, man. It's it's one of those things. You you gotta make sure that you keep your body in shape. You gotta make sure you take care of your body during the off season. It's a full time job. You know, a lot of people don't notice it, but when you're when you're not at work you're still working because you have to make sure that you're you're treating your body right and doing the things that you have to do a story broke actually uh today 
about James Harrison, uh, the linebacker from the Steelers. Uh, and he said he spends about $500,000 on, uh, massages and things like that throughout the season to keep his body, you know, up. So I'm not sure if Sam Montgomery's going to have to take a few remedies from him, but, but having back spasms or, 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 uh, strains, strains in your back's not good, especially for just the first workout with no pads on. Yeah, I just, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna, Hopefully he can bounce back and everything works out for him. But I was not impressed the first time I saw him around. And I was, <laughs> it was depressing. You know, it was kind of like, wow, this is what all the hype is about. But hopefully he gets it, he gets it in, you know, in order and everything works out for him. Yeah, and, and Gary Kubiak was actually not that impressed with him either. He's quoted as saying that, um, that, that, uh, Sam Montgomery was behind uh, Trevardo Williams, which was uh, the the linebacker that was picked after Sam Montgomery. So that's definitely not good. Whenever you draft somebody, then you're expecting them to be this uh, this good talent, and uh, and the guy that you draft after them is outperforming them. So once they get settled down, once they get into their spots, and you know they start getting uh, being able to compete, maybe maybe we'll see a little bit different. And I really hope we do. All right, well, that's the thoughts. I mean, that's our thoughts on on the Texans rookie camp from a defensive standpoint. Uh, it looks like it's time for us to take another break, George. So when we come out from our last break here before we wrap up the show, we'll kind of move over from the defensive side of the ball and talk offense and recap the Texans rookie camp from last week. Next on Outside the Huddle, with Lee Mott Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Lemont Williams here with my main man, George, better known as G-Man. And George, let's go ahead and wrap up the show with this last segment. All right. All right, then. Let's go ahead. We talked about the defensive side of the ball for the Houston Texans on their rookie camp and the rookies that came in last week. Let's go ahead and wrap up the show with the offensive players. Starting with their number one draft pick, first-round draft pick from this year was DeAndre Hopkins, number 10 and, and 6'1", 214, rookie out of Clemson. And we talked about him you know, quite a lot, a lot last week about how you know things he brings to the table, and he's a real deal. I mean, he's a guy that's six one, big hands. He can, he, you know, he can run with the best of them, and he's a guy that's going to bring instant impact to the offense for the Houston Texans. I mean, if he does not get injured, but I really like what I saw to Hopkins last week at, at camp. He's a guy that can get up in and out of breaks, but most importantly. The most important thing that I like the most is the fact that he comes across the middle with a lot of confidence. You not you don't hardly ever see a rookie comes across the middle and, and expect to make the catch and 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 trying and not just making the catch, looking for contact. So for him to be six one to come across the middle and do all those things that you ask a rookie to do and more tells me he's the real deal and he's going to help this Texans offense. Definitely, I can't wait to see him in that number two slot you know, uh, right there behind Andre Johnson. I mean, he hasn't even gotten a chance. You look at the the rookie minicamp and, and you see that this is him raw without any coaching, you know, from Andre Johnson. Imagine what he can do with a whole season being behind one of the best receivers in the NFL. I don't see anything but improvement coming from this guy. And, you know, you talk about his big hands. There's, there's been, you know, a lot of people talking about how many great catches he makes, you know, with defenders on him, holding him. You know, he's going to get the ball, and that's, that's something that you have to have that mentality as a receiver that that's my ball and I'm going up for it. So he definitely has that mentality, and I'm ready to see him out on the field. Oh, okay. Well, he, he's he, he's definitely an asset for the Texans. He's a guy that can can be used in the slot. He can be used on the outside and the weak side. Um, you know, he he's, his double moves are, are lethal. He issued with the double move. He's He's pretty much gone. But I, I like what I saw out of Hopkins, and we both agree he's an asset for the Houston Texans going into the season. Some guys that really stood out to me uh, from a running back standpoint, one was Dennis Johnson, 5'7", 196, rookie running back out of Arkansas, short, stocky running back with quickness to get away from the linebackers. And I like his, his leverage. He was able to hit the holes quick and be – it's one thing to be short and, and have that leverage, but another thing to be indecisive when you want to get to the hole is, you know, Dennis Johnson is totally the opposite. He hit that hole and he's going 100 miles a, a minute. And I like what I saw out of Dennis Johnson and what he brought to the team, uh, well, what he's bringing to the team as we speak for the Houston Texans. Uh, he looks natural. I think he played a little bit on special teams. He looked natural at a kickoff returner, I mean, rightfully so, but. I really like Dennis Johnson and, and how he can be a, uh, an impact. And, and he, let's throw this out there. There's only two running backs on the team, so he's auditioning for the third spot on the Houston Texans roster. Yeah, definitely. And and, and Johnson and, and also uh, Deji Kareem, uh, we actually signed him today um, to, to a contract with the Texans. So I'm excited to see him. You know, he gashed us for that 101-yard uh, touchdown 
in week 17 last year against the Colts that brought them, uh, I think it tied the game and then ended up putting in, uh, putting them back in the driver's seat. They ended up going on to win that game and we're still winless, uh, in, in, uh, Indianapolis. So, uh, that, that's something that, that I'm definitely excited about. Deji Kareem is going to be one of those guys that's explosive. And, uh, if he can get behind Arian Foster and Ben Tate and really learn from them, he, him and Johnson are, are both going to be two guys battling there out for that third spot. Yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely see. I, I, I like um, I like Dennis Johnson. I like the young guys. I, I really ever since Arian Foster came through, and he you know progressed and became a, uh, a All Pro and and Pro Bowler. I, I kind of focus more on the young guys. You know, the guys that's been in the league for a while. You know, you know what you're getting out of them because you're seeing them on film. But I like Dennis Johnson. And hopefully he can uh, he can stick around and make this roster because he's a you can also use him on special teams too. So he's a dual threat guy and not just a one trick pony, just a running back. But uh, I, I don't know. I haven't heard. I think Colin Klein did not get a contract or he did not get invited back no, to the Houston Texans. Um, you go no, ahead. He did. What? No, uh, Colin Klein didn't get invited back. He. Uh, he, I mean, they, they. I think. I think the Texans were very impressed with what they saw out of Case Keenum. That was one of those things where that was all you heard about after rookie camp was Case Keenum's gotten so much better, you know. And I honestly think if they if they're thinking so highly of him, he's going to give T.J. Yates a run for his money. Now he was on uh, Texans All Access this past week, and uh, he was speaking with Mark Vandermeer, and uh, he told him, you know, if if um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be a third string quarterback. I can't be satisfied with that because that's not going to help my team out. So he has a great mentality in the fact that if he's second string or third string, he's going to be pushing Matt Schaub or he's going to be pushing TJH to be better. He's not going to be one of those guys that's just happy with uh, with a third string job. So definitely excited to see uh, to see him maybe in the preseason and see what what improvements he's made against the defense. Yeah, Colin Klein. You know, I watched him quite a lot on the field for the Texans. He just looked out of place, looked, out, looked like a rookie. He looked like a guy that's still under construction, still working on his mechanics, still trying to get adjusted to getting the ball from underneath the center. And his timing was off. I mean, his arm strength looked kind of questionable because his decision-making was off. So you can have a rocket arm, but if you can't decide who you want to throw the ball to, it makes your passes a little bit behind or it makes you sail the ball to the left or to the right. So, Colin Klein is still a work in progress. Someone will give him another opportunity to come to camp. Uh, but like you said, you know, it's all about Case Keenum. It was all about him in a rookie camp. He looked he looked like he was a mature man. I mean, from a quarterback standpoint, having a year on his belt like he was ready and he, and he showed out there throughout practice. Yeah, and he's definitely shown that in college. He played for U of H, and he had the most um, offensive uh, passing yards in uh, school history. So it's one of those things. He He's shown that he can be effective and he's shown that he can be um, more elite, I guess, um, in the college ranks. Now it's time for him to prove it in the pro ranks. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to take Matt Schaub's job anytime soon because we know Matt Schaub just signed an extension. He's here to stay. But uh, he's definitely going to be giving Matt Schaub some competition in the years to come, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, Matt Schaub's only here until he gets hurt. I mean, in the NFL, I mean, the contract is is not guaranteed, but we're playing. You know, the NFL is a tough environment, so I mean, he's good. As, he's only as good as he's standing up. I mean, if he's out, if he's out of the game. We know Matt Shaw can take some hits, 
but he also is, you know, he has some injuries as well. So if he can remain in the game, you know, it's all good for the Texans. But Case Keenum is uh, is really making a push. Uh, T.J. Yates, to me, is a definitely number two for the Houston Texans. But uh, I like what I saw out of, out of Case Keenum. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins was one. The other running back, Dennis Johnson, was 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 fairly good throughout throughout the practice. And we talked about Colin Klein. Um, let me see. Is there anything else you want to kind of talk about offensively for the Houston Texans from the rookie standpoint? I guess. I mean, we 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 did sign a couple of uh, of uh, tight ends. So I mean, what were your thoughts on uh, on Ryan Griffin, um, the tight end that we that we got out of the sixth round? And you know, um, maybe maybe we can talk about him a little bit, just because you know the tight end position is one of those positions that you know we we don't rarely talk about, but it is definitely an important position for the Texans, especially since we have the running game that we have and we play, we do a lot of play action. The tight ends are normally the people who are getting the ball over the middle. So, you know, we had we had Ryan Griffin out of Connecticut that we drafted in the sixth round. He's six six two forty seven. So uh, I mean, in, in rookie camp, you, you really can't tell too much. But I mean, what do you think? What are your thoughts on some of the tight ends and uh, the position that, uh, that that's open at third at the third tight end spot well, for the Texans? You know, to be honest, I, I, I mean, I, I saw little of him. So that means if I if he didn't stand out from a negative standpoint, I guess he was doing okay. You know, it's, it's tough from a tight end. I mean, he was able to make catches, but. You know, I, I like to see his leverage. I like to see how he looks when he's blocking. I like to see because the Texans do a lot of play action. They do a lot of zone blocking. They do a lot of space blocking where they block in space and try to cut players off. Uh, so I want to see that. And, you know, as the show progresses and the summer comes along with training camp, we can talk more about the tight ends. But I thought it was okay. I thought he he, he did a decent, decent job, but he wasn't. You know, when you see guys in helmets and shorts, you know, you look for the, the sexy players, the receivers, the, the the running backs and the quarterbacks, you know, the guys that do the grunt work, the D linemen, O line, tight ends, you know, you, you, you pick that up a little bit later in training camp when they banging heads and going one on one. Yeah, definitely. Now another offensive position that's kind of uh kind of been in the air that a lot of people have been debating about around town is uh the fact that we drafted two offensive tackles. Now I know you can't really see too much in rookie camp but with us drafting those two tackles um, with uh, Quesenberry and then uh, I forget the other guy's name, um, but he was he was a sixth round pick. We uh, we drafted the the two offensive tackles. Does that tell us that that maybe Derek Newton's a little bit more injured than what we thought he was, or are, are the Texans just kind of trying to trying to have a safeguard just in case he doesn't come back from his injury because he's never been injured before. Um, so we haven't seen how he comes back from injury. So what are your thoughts on the fact that we signed two tackles or drafted two tackles? Well, you can never have too many linemen, and it's good to have enough uh, going into training camp just in case a guy goes down like Williams. So, well, well, you know, only time will tell with the tackles. Again, I, I refer back to what I said about tight ends not having uh, any pads on. It's kind of hard to judge them. But, I mean, they look – I mean, they, and no one looked like – they didn't belong, but this is the NFL, so that's the most important part is that they belong, and, and and as they go along, everything should open up, and we have more evaluation of them. But looking at my clock, George, we have a couple minutes left to kind of wrap up the show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I want to thank everyone out there for listening to the show outside the huddle tonight with Lemont Williams and George. And uh, until we meet again next week, you guys have a blessed week.
Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel. 